This morning, we're continuing our journey into reading the Gospel of Mark. Uh, the Gospel of Mark, uh, we've been following it along for the past couple of weeks. It's a fast-paced Gospel. Jesus is always on the move. Uh, Jesus is moving from one place to another in his teaching. Uh, last week, we noticed that Jesus traveled through the region of Galilee, and he was preaching there. Uh, last week, we saw uh, that this was the region of Galilee where Jesus was uh, preaching. And we spent time in Mark chapter 2, where Jesus um, heals a paralyzed man. Uh, there were several of his friends who carried this man to Jesus, and Jesus forgave the sins of the paralyzed man. And the question that we considered is, who is it that we need to carry to the face of Jesus? Uh, who is it that we are called to pray for? And also, we saw the story of Jesus reclining at the table with tax collectors and sinners, people who were despised by their own community, and yet Jesus was there with them. Jesus was sitting with them and hanging out with them. He was breaking bread with them. And the question that we were to consider was, who is it that we are called to sit with? Who is the Spirit of God leading us to be with so that we can be like Jesus in all that we do? In Mark chapter 3, uh, we begin to see that the crowds are starting to follow Jesus. There are, come, there are people coming from all over the region. This is the map of what is called the ancient Near East, the, is the nation of Israel during Jesus' time. And people were coming from all over the place. Um, we read in Mark chapter 3 that people from Judea, um, it's right in the middle, uh, that's where Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem is. People were traveling all the way there from there. To the north, Idiomia, is right at the bottom. The bold letters that you see at the bottom of your screen, that's where people, people from that region were traveling all the way up north to hear Jesus. As I look through this map, one of the things that I'm reminded of is King David. Uh, king David is seen as one of the best kings that ever lived uh, or ruled over the nation of Israel. After his reign, the kingdom is divided. After his reign, other nations come and take control of the land of Israel. But King David uh, is always seen as this king that was the best. And, uh, and we read the stories that Jesus from, was from the line of King David. One of the things that I'm reminded of is King David ruled this entire region. All the way right from the south of Idiomia, all the way to the north. And people from all over this region are coming to worship who will be called the king of the Jews. Large crowds were following Jesus. And um, something interesting happens at the end of chapter 3. Uh, this is what we read. We read, and his mother, this is Jesus' mother, and his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they went to him and called him. A crowd sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. And this 
The reason I'm sharing this story is because I kind of want you to know from where Jesus's mother and brothers would have traveled. If you see Galilee, right below there is Nazareth. That is where Jesus grew up. And now they would have traveled to the Sea of Galilee. That is where Jesus's home base was. That's the region where he taught. That's the city of Capernaum that he was part of. So I just want you to notice the distance they, their family would have traveled to see Jesus. And possibly this could be the start of Jesus' mother traveling with Jesus as we see through the Gospels and especially towards the end of the Gospel. So this morning, this is what we read in Mark chapter 4. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. That's the Sea of Galilee, right? That's right there. And a large crowd gathered around him so that he got into the boat and sat in on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on land. And he was teaching them in parables. I want you to see here that Jesus is by the Sea of Galilee and he is teaching the people. He's in a, sitting in a boat and the crowds are on the shore and the wind from the sea would have would have actually created some really good amplification for Jesus' voice to be heard by the crowds that were around him. So far in the Gospel of Mark, as we've been looking and reading through it, Jesus has taught many different times and he has done a lot of miracles, but we as the readers have never really seen or heard what Jesus taught. There's this constant theme of Jesus' teaching that he taught in the synagogue in someone's house. Last week, we looked at it. He went to the region of Galilee and he taught. And he continues to cast demons out. And But what is Jesus teaching? People are coming from the southern tip of the country to the northern tip of the country to hear Jesus' teaching. But Jesus, what is he teaching? What is he saying? And I think this is the first time we as the readers hear what Jesus has to teach us. For the first time, we are told that Jesus teaches using parables. What is a parable? Parables are stories that are told um, so that we can know the bigger point. And the, the stories are usually told uh, as a simile. Saying the kingdom of God is like this. Some have considered um, that um, some have considered to look at the parables as allegorical, meaning there's a hidden message. When Jesus tells us a story, there's a hidden symbol somewhere that we need to find out. There's a mystery behind it that's not open to the eye. So we need to investigate and look through it. Some have read parables that way. Um, but during Jesus' time, this was the style of teaching. A lot of Jewish rabbis would have taught using parables, saying, kingdom of God is like this. And the whole point of that is the punchline. All of a sudden, when you hear the story, there's a punchline where the listener goes, ooh, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see the story would end this way. So, what I would like us to consider this morning is to read the parables that way. Read these two parables that way saying, ooh, I didn't see that coming. That is where we need to dwell. So this morning, um, there are two parables that I would like to share about. The parable of the sower and the parable of the lamp. And before I read the sower, uh, parable of the sower, um, 
I want to share with you something that I did with my daughter a couple of years ago. She wanted to learn about how to grow vegetables. How to do, how do you grow vegetables? What do you do? How do you go about it? And all that. So I went to Home Depot and I picked up this. Do you all know what this is? Right? This, this is how, where you, you put your seeds in it and there's a little pod that comes. You put some dirt in it, pour some water in it, and there's a lid that comes on top of it. Um, and you just let it sit. So, so Annika and I did that. We did all of that and we used some little popsicle sticks and we wrote in each of these ones what vegetables we kept so that, so that we would know uh, what to do with them. And then uh, a couple of weeks passed by and slowly a sprout sprung and then we took the lid off and we kind of nurtured it, cared for it. And, uh, and then slowly moved these plants that were here into solo Dixie cups, uh, the red ones, and put some dirt in it, uh, potting soil in it, and they grew. Um, so when we started out with this uh, method, there was a 90% success that every seed that we planted would grow and yield much fruit. This was not the kind of farming Jesus was used to. The farming that we think about, when we think about sowing and growing our farms, uh, we use machines that plow the ground. We use machines that plant seeds in a certain row. You know, and we have technology for, on a large scale that can stop uh, weeds from growing around things that we've planted. But when you read the story of the sower, don't have that image of all these machinery and all these wonderful tools that we have here to care for the seeds. No, when Jesus was sharing this parable, it was a whole lot different. This is what we read. This is what Jesus tells us. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed that fell on the path. The birds came down and devoured it. The other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. Immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, it scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. The other seed fell among the thorns and grew, and it choked it, and it yielded no grain. And the other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. Remember uh, back in, in the summer months, uh, um, we were talking about Psalm 23. And I told you when we think about green pastures, that the place where Jesus lived and race where David was there, this place was not full with green pastures, but rather this place was hot and humid. There was not much greenery there. So this is what the sower in this parable is doing. He's taking some seeds in a bag and he's just scattering them. He's just taking, taking a bag of seeds and just throwing them around. He did not plow the ground. He didn't get everything ready for it. No, he just threw a bunch of seeds on the land. And the seeds fell on various soils. Some fell on the path, the birds came and ate it. Some actually fell um, on rocky ground 
There was some soil for um, the seed to germinate and grow. But soon there was no place for it to grow its roots. The ground was hard. And the seed could not establish a good root system. Once adversity came, the hot sun, the seedling died. There was no chance for it to establish itself. It perished. Other seeds fell among the thorns. The soil was fertile there. But the thorns that were around it started to grow around it. And they pretty much took over the seedling. And it couldn't yield any fruit. Finally, the seeds fell on good ground and it produced a lot of fruit. And the farmer is thrilled to see how much fruit this seed is bearing, yielding forth 30-fold and 60-fold and a hundred-fold. And Jesus explains the parable to his disciples, and he says to them, the seed that I'm talking about, it is actually the word that I'm preaching. The seed that I'm talking about, it is about the teachings that I've said about the kingdom of God. Up until this point, we've heard it over and over again that Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God. And there were different people coming from all over the region to hear. And Jesus is saying this. The people who are hearing this good news about the kingdom, this is how they reacted. Some heard the teachings of Jesus and couldn't care less. It was on the path and they walked away from it and they said, eh, I don't care about this. And they moved on. Others were quick to get excited about what Jesus taught and they were excited and they were filled with joy. But soon adversity came and they soon said, you know what? Maybe not. This is not for me. And they walked away. And then there were others who were excited about the stories that Jesus was telling, about the good news. They were willing to live into what Jesus was talking about. But the good news soon started to fade away because outside influences, the temptations that surrounded them were great. Their love for the temptations was bigger than their love for Jesus. And they were lured away from the gospel. Friends, here and then, they were those who heard the gospel and said yes. Heard the gospel and said yes, and they bore much fruit. Sometimes when we hear the story, a familiar story for us, when we hear it over and over again, most of the time we try to find ourselves with those individuals where we are producing great fruit. But Jesus ends this parable by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. And I think this is where the aha moment that I want us to consider. I want us to consider this. Here's the punchline. Here's where the story shifts. And I hope you go, ooh, didn't see that coming. Maybe this week, maybe this week, something happened in your own life. And you said, ah, I know what Jesus is teaching, but I don't care. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Maybe you knew what Jesus taught and how we need to live. 
and adversity came and you said you were quick to fold and walk away from the good news of how God calls us to live. Maybe you did hear the gospel and you were saying, all right, I'm all in. I'm all in for Jesus. And yet these temptations started to surround you. They started to lure you in. And you fell. Because you loved the temptations more than you loved the gospel. The teachings of Jesus. Friends, that is the aha moment for us. Where are you in this story? Where are you in this story? The second parable that Jesus teaches is about the lamp. We read, and he said to them, is a lamp brought and put under a basket, under a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Or nothing is secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. What do you do with light that comes from a lamp? Do you hide it under a basket? Do you put it under the bed? Or do you put it on the light? See, when we think about um, this particular parable... Um, I want you to know that this parable is not talking about the light that shines in the darkness. During Christmas time, we always say that Jesus Christ is the light that came into this world to dispel the darkness that surrounds us. This parable is not talking about that, but rather it is talking about something else. We need to be careful that the lamp in the story is not Jesus, um, uh, but rather it is something else. <clears throat> Because how it ends in verse 23, it says, If anyone has ears, let him hear. If anyone has ears, let him hear. So when we think about a lamp, we usually think about something like this. You press a button and the light comes on. Right? That's all we do. Right? When you think about light, you think about turning it on. Right? You just turn it on. It's your flashlight. It's on your phone. It's in your house. You just turn on the light and the light comes on and there it is. And there it is. But the light, the lamb that Jesus is talking about was very different from just pushing a button. It was very, very different. The light that Jesus is talking about was, would have been made out of a clay pot. It would be very fragile. There would have been a place where the oil, where you poured some oil in it. And there would have been a wick that would come out of it. And you had to be very careful where you placed this light in your house. If you placed it a little too close to the window, a draft might come and blow off the lamp. And you would be in darkness. If you put it under the basket, the flame would have been gone. If you put it under the bed, what is the whole purpose of this light? So I think Jesus here is talking about the light. And we need to read what Jesus is saying here in light of what he taught in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. This is what Jesus said. Let 
In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is what Jesus is talking about here. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The challenge for the disciples is this. Jesus is saying, you are the light. You are the light. Meaning your actions, your actions, what you do, others are going to see these actions and they're going to look around and they're going to say, wow, this is awesome. Your outward actions of an inner conviction is going to give God all the glory. In this parable, Jesus is considering, is asking us to consider this. How is the light that is within you? Are you taking good care of it? And how is, is it shining bright? Are you making sure the wind is not blowing it out? Are you making sure that it's not kept under a basket or under the bed? So here is the challenge. Here is that I didn't see that coming. Are your actions bringing glory to God? Are your actions reflecting the goodness of the God that we proclaim to be our friend? Friends, these are the two challenges that we end with. You know the teachings of Jesus. Are you bearing fruit? You have the light of Christ within you. Do your actions reflect what Christ has done for you? Let us pray.